0: Tēnā kato, and heartfelt greetings. Welcome to Kō the podcast. This is Roxy Ocantou coming to you from West Auckland, Aotearoa, New Zealand. I am so glad to have you here, whether intentional or stumbled upon. No mai, haere mai, whakatau mai. This podcast has been initiated by prompts from Te Wairua Tapu, the Holy Spirit, to share my testimony on different occasions and platforms, so I am praying that this will be a space for fakarawaho, open thoughts, open mind, um, kōrero, discussions, learning and growth. Full disclosure, or disclaimer, this is an outlet to account for the unfolding of self, particularly myself, hence the name kōwayo, who am I? I am qualified in some things, but most of all I speak from my own truth and experience, so I do not claim to be an expert on anything, and so hopefully I can invite others to join me in speaking into these spaces and sharing their knowledge their experience and their worldviews. Um, please know that some of the discussions we may have may be triggering and so would you take that as a trigger warning and as you continue to listen to uh, my podcast or these episodes i just want to make you aware of that so that you can keep yourself safe so, without further ado, welcome to Tuarua episode episode two. Awesome! So, welcome again to episode two or Tuarua episode. This session's or is a bit of a sticky one. Disclaimer: I am not a medical professional. So here is a another trigger warning. This podcast is based on my own truth and experience as well as influences from other people, scripture, and of course anti-google. So please do not take any medical advice from this session. If you or someone you know is or has been affected by the nature of this topic, please seek help. So if you have joined me following my first episode where I shared a condensed version of my life, thank you for taking the time to hear my story now honestly it's been a struggle to um, to do this particular podcast and and... With preparing for this session, it was a struggle because I wanted to talk about everything except this particular topic. Now I realized that in order to understand the context and reasons behind many of my decisions, uh, many of my reactions, my worldviews, my opinions, the way my mind works and my general way of processing... It actually makes a lot of sense to acknowledge the journey that I have been on to get to where I am and who I am. In the last few years, I have been able to identify and begin the healing process from post-traumatic stress disorder and avoidance trauma. Now, here we are, right in the middle of it all. My name is Roxy Ongoto. I am a survivor of sexual abuse and domestic violence. Now, already my avoidance traits are kicking and telling me to deflect, make light of the situation, tell a joke, avoid, avoid, avoid. So, to give you an idea of what I do to prepare for this podcast, basically I write out semi-script and then when I record like now it acts as a guide so preparing this episode and the last one um, it well with this one it meant that I wrote out all of the following things that I'm about to speak about and as a result it has re-triggered the trauma it has meant that my unhealthy coping strategies and tendencies to avoid, distract, numb and deflect have also resurfaced and through this podcast process I guess you could call it, I feel as though I've been reliving the trauma every day this week I, um, I reached out to my counsellor and together we realised that actually the trauma is still very much alive, it is not quite healed, um, I thought that it was all good and I had you know, got into the end of the tunnel, seen the light and woohoo, I'm free, I'm healed, everything is good but unfortunately it is not the case and so as I sit here and I record this particular podcast, I probably don't need to say this but because I um, try to live a life of integrity and honesty, I am a little bit tipsy, I had a few glasses of wine To I guess... You know... Be be a bit of liquid... Um... Courage... Which I do not recommend... Because... Yeah... Nothing really... Nothing good ever really comes from... Um... Being under the influence of anything... You know... That kind of takes that control away from you... we are. And so... I... I would like to take a moment now to say to anyone who may feel triggered, attacked, offended, confused, or shocked as a result of this Cordero, I am sorry. And I pray that you will receive all that you need and deserve in a timely manner. This is not about hurting you or anyone else. This is simply about knowing the value in our stories and sharing this part of mine this is an account of my journey to recovery and i hope that in all things it will encourage someone um, that it would shed light on the things that are often left untold there is honestly no pretty or poetic way to say this and for respect and privacy reasons i will attempt to leave out any major defining details of my story um I also apologize now for any colorful words that may slip out through the session, and there will probably be uh, more disclaimers, disclosures, and apologies along the way as the story unfolds. I am sure I will also try to spare the most of the. I will also try to spare most of the gruesome details and share what I believe to be important to know um, in the unfolding of who I am today. Many do not know this part of history, and many may not be happy to hear about it, so buckle up y'all, it's about to get uncomfortable. Now, since I'm all about context, let me paint the picture. My parents had been going through some real shitty stuff at the time, I mean, I feel the need to say this, and to use it as a segue into the parts where my parents could potentially be portrayed negatively my birth parents have been through trials of their own and if it weren't for the grace and peace of God I don't think I would think otherwise Um, so I do do not make excuses for them or justify their decisions or their actions but I do however empathise and have made attempts to understand what may have shaped who they became and who they are becoming... I love... both of my parents... and although I do not tell them as often as I should... my parents are my parents... and I would not be who I am... without their story... and... that probably leaves... Uh, a window open for another episode... to talk about my parents... and, and the divorce... and how that sort of affected... my Fano and... Um, potentially the relationships between my parents and myself... But that's not what this episode is about. So, here we go. Uh, I was in year 8, second form of intermediate. Um, I, at this point, had experienced, I guess, crushes. I had gone through a lot of bullying. Um, started going through puberty. Found a love for poetry. Um, lived in the era of free texting weekends. Um, I had you know, there was the flip phones era, the Motorola's, um bunk beds, sleepovers, slumber parties, all that jazz. I went from Britney Spears, Bewitched and Spice Girls to All Saints, Disney's Child, Tupac and TLC. So I recall transitioning from childhood to youth within a blink of the eye. Seasons were definitely shifting and evolving. And um, little did I know what season I was about to walk into. Uh, one morning I <clears throat> I woke up to a letter describing how my best friend had been sexually abused by my father. We used like we used to use code words for mum and dad. So when she told me that my Friday had touched her inappropriately on a few occasions, I was... I was in shock but ultimately there was no doubt in my mind that this was true and from that moment he was dead to me and as i sit here i i i kind of wonder now you know if that was the reason why we had created those codes of 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 monday and friday mother and father i remember in that moment and in those days following i hated him so much my best friend made me promise not to say anything, but after taking her home, I couldn't even last the whole ride back. I passively, aggressively treated my father with disrespect until my parents pulled our seven seat family our seven seater family van over on the side of the road, um, up in Massey and they were about to discipline me until I screamed to the top of my lungs about this Shittiest secret that I just could not keep to myself. Growing up, I I was what they call, I guess, daddy's girl. I used to go everywhere with him. Uh, we were inseparable. So when I spoke out about what he had done, what I had read in that letter, it changed the course of our lives forever. This whole situation it spiralled into months of feuds mistrust broken relationships battles, side picking, sleepless nights arguing, yelling, domestic violence just honestly just raw ugliness and altogether it was one of the earliest dark moments of my life but through it all my mum she stood by his side she fought to keep her marriage and her family together. At, at times, she even fought her own flesh and blood. Over time, uh, my father became very depressed and suicidal as a response to his actions. And I remember at some point, my mum bribed me with, I think, like $100 to acknowledge that my father, um, or acknowledge my father by taking him. Um, like breakfast and beer, because back in the days, that's what my mum, that's the type of my wife my mum was, she would, um, you know, cook like a massive, beautiful breakfast, put it on like a breakfast tray, and would serve my father like a king, like breakfast and bed was, you know, like the standard in their marriage, and so I cringed with every inch of me, full of hatred and her. And I fought and I was like, hell no, I'm not going to do that. I don't even care. Like, I haven't spoken to him for days. I will never speak to him. But I guess, you know, money can talk. So, I was young and $100 was like a million dollars, you know. I mean, it could have been $10, but I really don't remember. But I'm pretty sure it was $100. Anyway, that's not the point. Over time you know, the only way to rebuild our was to, I guess move on and live life as though nothing happened and I hated that um, I didn't get to see my best friend as much as I um, wanted to and I know that she went through so much more trauma in that short amount of time and I just wish I could have done more for her, I wish I could have been there for her um, yeah, my friend my sister I'm so sorry my love you deserved so much better from the world you deserve so much better from this world uh, wherever you are whatever life you are living I just pray that you are um, that you are happy and that you continue to be kind to yourself you're an amazing, amazing wahine and yeah, I love you you know who you are I love you so much and I'm sorry so that same year so all of this was happening, this is the context this is me painting the story that same year my maternal grandmother, so my mum's mum, she got really sick in the hospital. And she was a strong lady, like the hammer and the nail of the Fano, like whatever she said it was gonna happen. We would have hangi every single Christmas, New Year's and she would, you know, delegate, organise, sort it all out, cook the mainest feeds, like she made the best best meals from like the bomb as porridge to the bomb as boil up to the bomb as hangi like she was just so amazing she's such an amazing woman um so strong and you know she really was the life of the party. um yeah miss you miss you granny on um so on her I hate this word but on her deathbed you know at, on in her last days she tried to reconcile the strained relationships in our family. Um, especially with what had happened with my, my father. And, and um, that whole situation. My grandmother, I remember her really trying her hardest to... I get, Yeah, help restore things. Um, she did her best. But unfortunately, I don't think anyone anything was truly mended. And she took her last breath um, November 4th, 2014. And that was probably when our family divide slowly began. Um, yeah, things have never really been the same since then. And all this time, you know, all through that time, my poor mum, my beautiful mum, she grieved her marriage. And she grieved her mother. So mum, if you ever hear this, I am sorry that you had to go through all of that. I'm sorry that um, you lost you know, some of the most important people in your life at that time. And your mum being one of the most important people to you of all time. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And that you had to go through that almost on your own. You are a strong woman, and I love you. (sighs) Mm. So, as I previously mentioned, I have struggled telling this part of my story, gracefully, and um, over the last few weeks, I found myself in a really dark place. Digging up old trauma honestly can do some weird stuff with you. And it just, it felt like every bone in my body shattered over and over again. While my heart was literally being ripped out of my, tra- my chest and then shoved back into the wrong place. And it was like, just kept shoving it back into the wrong places in my body. It was it was ugly, and I felt it all, and yet there were moments where I became so numb to the world that I would lose complete touch of reality. I just there were days where I lost control over my th- own thoughts, um you know, when all these memories would just flood my brain, I would break down in tears or shut down in numbness. It has honestly been something else. Um, i don't yeah I don't even know, but it's it's what my therapist would call emotional surgery, kind of like going through it all, aiming for healing and a better way of living. you gotta open up to fix the inside and go through the recovery process um, interestingly enough, she also um she's also said very recently that um the trauma has not fully healed, so hopefully by the next episode I will have it all over again. Or I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we go. But um, with all this being said, I I just want to take this time to apologize to my loved ones. Um, there seems to be a lot of apologies so far, and um, I guess I, I you know I want. I want you all to know that this is coming from a real genuine place in my in my wide or in my heart. Um, I I was and I may still be in a very dark place right now and I know I spiraled very quickly and so to my loved ones I am sorry. I'm sorry for the way that this journey has affected our relationships. Um the way that it's affected my mahi, um, our lives, and, and I just really want to thank those of you who have showed me love, patience, and grace, um, I honestly, I can't say how much I am grateful for the prayers and the encouragements, the texts, you know, it was a very different, it's been a very different journey for me this time around, um, usually I would sort of shut down and just, just not talk to anybody and just isolate myself but this time I knew that I was not okay and knew that things were not right and so I needed to reach out quickly before I um, spiraled into that isolation phase and so I reached out and you know uh, there were there weren't a lot of details but I reached out and just said hey I'm not okay you know simple as that and so um to each of you. Again, I'm sorry if I've offended any of you. Um in this time and I and I thank you. I thank you so much for um the part that you've played in this journey. And um yeah, thank you. Arohano Yoku um Tokufa um tokufaybo yeah, legit. Thank you guys. Um yeah, so I I've learned a lot this week and I learned something pretty valuable. My dear friend mentioned the the way that trauma can sometimes affect us. And I've never never even thought about this before, but often it can bring up pain from the past, right? But it can also res- resurface resurface coping strategies from um, that same pain, that same past pain, that same past trauma. So for me, I basically fell headfirst back into a hole of depression and self-destruction. I wasted a lot of money getting blackout, blind, drunk. I would often wake up and really, and would have really dark thoughts, and all I wanted to do was numb and suppress everything. Um, so as I said, as I prepared for this episode I I was under the influence of alcohol a few times um a lot of what I wrote has been taken out of this um this session because you know y'all don't need to hear me cursing the colours of the rainbow but um I guess I guess you know the reality is this Stuff, the shiz is messy. It is traumatic. It is overwhelming. And to be honest, I really didn't think that it would affect me this much. But it has. Ingari, I, I really believe that Jesus has had my back throughout this whole journey. Because I still turned up to mahi. I still went to the gym. I still went to real class. I still showed up where I needed to show up. And I knew that I needed to do uh, the complete opposite actions of what my emotions wanted to do. I needed to keep routine and I needed to seek accountability because I knew that I I was not okay. But I guess there was a moment along the way where I knew that I was not okay. But I also know that eventually I will be okay. Excuse me so obviously it hasn't been easy but I guess if I end up recording and publishing this episode then thank you Jesus couldn't have done it without you <laughs> so this is this is the part where I get a little bit uh, a lot of bit triggered but we'll see how we go so Growing up, I would spend school holidays with my grandparents on my mother's side. So my grandmother that I um, mentioned earlier. I spent most of my time at their home in the North Shore. And honestly, my granny, she was the realest. She would let me wake up at any time of the day, um, go to sleep at any time. She would spoil me. Like, I would be so spoiled with things like ice cream and peaches for literally any meal of the day she just i mean that's not like the greatest standard but she just had so much patience and love for me she would share so many stories of um of her life and of the life of her children and we would just sit in her kitchen you know as soon as i woke up and had my peaches and ice cream we would just sit in her kitchen and she would just tell me all these stories and that time was a bit traumatic for me so I don't remember all of those stories but I do remember the feeling of being in her presence it was a feeling of safety a feeling of joy of you know pride and my Maori whakapapa comes from my grandmother so she had a lot to share and there was just there's just a lot of stories there but um After she passed away, uh, naturally I was expected to stay there, in that home to keep my grandfather company as he grieved his wife. I seemed to be uh, some sort of comfort for him, so in that time I held that role so proudly and I stuck by him like, like literally like glue, until one day it all took a turn and my world took the fast track to change and um, an internal chaos when I was 11 years old I was sexually abused at the hands of my grandfather and to this very day it still leaves a very bitter taste in my mouth the first time it happened was confusing yet it's it's the one that replays in my mind like a broken record. When it first happened, I remember being confused because this was someone that I trusted. Someone I genuinely loved. Someone who was supposed to love and protect me. And yet, something in my body and my mind told me that the events that occurred were not right. The way I was feeling, like my feelings were valid because whatever was happening was not right, and I was so confused. And when I told the first people that I could, nothing happened. I remember I was told to um, to to apologize to him because I ran away um, after as soon as it all happened. I just you know I fled you know flight flight, fright, flight, or freeze. I Ran out of that place um, and I was told once I was found I was told to apologize to him for running away and and then I was taught to act as though nothing even happened so that same day I remember um, you know there were a lot of feelings there were a lot of overwhelm and that day um, after it all sort of happened there was someone made the decision that we needed to go up north to get I don't know some new scenery. like this was days after my my grandmother was buried. and so we all jumped in the in the truck and made our way um, to a different destination. and I remember sitting in the back seat. he was in the passenger seat, and I remember him asking um, well the others in the car were inside um, the gas station. He asked if I was okay, and my instant reply, without a breath, without a blink, I replied, "I forgive you. I forgive you. That's it." And he's and I remember him saying, "Are you sure?" And I and I honestly, as I wrote, as I. As I prepared for the session, I, I thought, "What the f does an eleven-year-old know about forgiveness? What does an eleven-year-old know about this whole situation? And why? Why was it that I had to say I forgive you? I'm sure that at some point in my in my life, I'll I'll think of something, or I'll come up with um." some reason or answer, but anyway, I, I just, as quickly became a very foreign concept to me, I, I continued to grow up believing that this event was, was something that I misinterpreted, or exaggerated or conjured up you know, there were many who made um, excuses or reasons around what could have happened um, and because I was young you know adults had the last say and so it was swept under some imaginary golden rug of secrets and lies and never mentioned again but for years after my grandmother passed away we would spend almost every single night and day with him in his home uh, because after all he lost his wife and he was grieving you know for many years so my mum bless her she took really good care of him alongside a lot of other people but my mom she she just loved him like no other and she would pick us up um, after school and we would go over um, to his home every single weeknight or most weeknights and she would do the cooking the cleaning uh, we would go to the DVD store to f- to find uh, to pick up movies. So we would watch Western movies or you know just general movies every single night with them. We would probably watch at least two to three movies, so we wouldn't leave until after midnight. And as I say this, I love my mom. Like I love it. I love my mom. And at first, I really didn't understand how she could keep putting me in this position. Um, in, in his presence but I know now that she just loved him so much and maybe she really didn't realize what was happening because from then on I was I was told that I was the only one who could help him to do certain things like shopping cutting his hair or his nails um taking him grocery shopping sorting out his bills and his checkbooks balancing his checkbooks fixing his beard encouraging him to have showers all of that stupid stuff like with no idea how to do any of these things that responsibility landed pretty heavy and I just I just did what I was told Um, remember I was 11 when this first started and like what the heck does it 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, however old I was over that time, how the heck am I supposed to know how to sort out bills, anyway over the next five years from the first instance the abuse carried on sporadically and I had sexual acts imposed on me on multiple occasions I I lived in fear most of the time, and when we would visit my grandparents' home, I would try to avoid being put in those positions, I would hide in the toilet or outside of the back of the house for what felt like hours, um, all just to try and keep myself safe. I remember we would turn up and I would sit in the car for as long as I could before my mom told me to come out, I would stand at the gate for as long as I could until she told me to come inside, I would stay outside. Um, you know, I would stay outside of the house for as long as I could before I was told that I had to get inside and I had to, you know, greet him. It was and hard, like, I don't, yeah, I don't even know. Still he found a way, and I continued to be groped, and kissed, and licked, and implicitly sexualized till I was about 16 years old, and sometimes it even happened out in broad daylight, or in public at the local food town, which I guess would be Countdown now, um, sometimes at the cemetery, when we would go and visit my grandmother, um, he would often, yeah, be inappropriate and touch me inappropriately and I just I just remember like feeling so helpless and screaming inside, internally screaming for my grandmother to help me, for God to help me, for anyone to help me to make it stop and over the over the years I've suppressed a lot of the instances but some of the memories they just keep, they just creep in now and again and i remember i re- i recall as I got older, I got smarter, or at least i uh, I think I got smarter i I tried to reclaim control by giving or uh, by using his guilt or a lack of guilt by letting him buy things for me or making him buy things for me like deodorant toiletries, face wash and chocolates, all that sort of stuff um by this time i was you know I was heading puberty, so acne was. Yeah, it was it was there and it was loud and little did I know. Actually, I'll just rewind a little bit. So while this is all happening, um, my parents by this point they had um, split, they had divorced and separated, and so my mum was raising all of us kids, um, seven of seven of us. Um, she was raising seven kids on her own. So and I mentioned in my first my first episode that um, I mentioned in my first episode that my mum and my dad had seven kids together but actually my oldest brother, he has a different dad and um, I really feel for him and if you ever get to hear this brother, I love you and I miss you and I'm sorry for the, the cards that life has dealt you and um, yeah, I just really hope to see you again soon and hear from you soon um, but I remember yeah, this at this point the, you know, the situation, um, with my dad, it, it it destroyed our family, it destroyed my mum, um, later on he ended up having an affair, or I mean, there are stories, one story is that he had an affair, the other story is that he didn't, but whatever happened they split up, and so at this point my mum was going through a lot, and so that's why it was so easy for us to just spend Every single night at my grandfather's house and um you know, I just got easy it just it was just easy. For the the, the way that things happened, it and played out. It was just easy. Um I would go out grocery shopping with my grandfather while my mum would stay home and, you know, do a full clean of the house or do whatever um Whatever household chores needed to be done, or she would she would cook dinner, and my siblings would hang out there. So I don't know. It just became this routine, and it just worked for everybody except me, obviously. But um, I so I remember trying to reclaim this control by getting him to buy me toiletries because at that time uh, my mom was you know she was raising so many kids, so getting things like deodorant or um, acne cleanser, it sort of wasn't one of my mum's priorities and so he would do these things for me and little did I know this was just another form of grooming that I fell into, it became something that he eventually held over me. So to outsiders it would seem like that was the nature of our relationship, that um it was just some funny banter that we had, um or it was just you know that was just the way that things were, but his displa- he displayed so many grooming signs, and yet yeah, it became normalized um, Grooming is disgusting it is something else and as I researched this topic it it has triggered me in so many ways and so and I had no idea at the time that I was being groomed I mean again I was a child but I had no idea that I was being groomed and until I started doing research about it and you know things sort of started making sense and um and I was able to sort of connect some dots and that and that and that part that is also part of um the things that have been quite triggering for me So in case you're like me and are unaware of the signs, um, basically grooming can be described as the act of someone building a relationship, uh, trust uh, or an emotional connection with a child or a young person so that they can manipulate, exploit or abuse them. Um, A groomer or... Groomer or predators, groomers or predators thrive in secrecy, and testing boundaries often helps them know if they can continue without being caught. And so there are so many, so many signs of grooming, but um, these are just some of them. So grooming can look like singling out one child as special and giving them extra attention, maybe with gifts. Um, you know like 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 for my instance chocolates and toiletries etc um giving them physical touch or general attention um another sign is testing the boundaries of a child's comfort levels by touching them in an adult's presence so that they actually think that it is normal and it's usually when they're around their their own parent um Perpetrators or groomers can often tell off-coloured or sexualised jokes to see how the child will respond. Um, They often may try to normalise sex by using sexual terms freely in the presence of your child. Um, They may also show sexualised pictures or videos, texts, etc. Um, Sexualised games like Truth or Dear or strip games. Um, They may even test how 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 a child reacts when they enter a space that is usually expected to have privacy, such as a bedroom or a bathroom. Um, the first physical contact, actually, between a predator and his or her victim is often non-sexual, and it's, it's designed to des- desensitise the child so that eventually, um, inappropriately touching them you know to see see what what response they, they receive um sorry let me repeat that the first physical contact between a predator and his or her victim is often non-sexual and designed to desensitize the child then eventually inappropriately touching them to see what response they receive so that could be like a um, certain hug or or kiss or a graze of 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 the breast or the private part or something like that and honestly there are so many more signs but these are just some to be aware of um and these i guess these ones stood out to me because these are um some of the signs that showed up um in my situation and um unfortunately just became i guess normalized so from time to time um I still actually have flashbacks. I still have nightmares. And often. If I'm not. If I'm not like sort of keeping in check with myself. Or. Um, making sure that my or my, my spirit is full. And I'm um, sitting with God. And just in general. I can often project or transfer. My trauma responses on other people. Especially people who remind me of him. Um, so. If you know me you you may have noticed my response to older people um, specifically older men, more specifically older white men um growing up i <clears throat> I would often lash out using different coping mechanisms and um you know when it came to when it came to people that I um, would transfer or would um, project these ugly responses on um. yeah wait I kind of lost my train of thought I'll come back to this growing up I lashed out using different coping mechanisms I didn't know what effects it had on me until a few years ago um when i actually opened up like completely about um what had happened to me when it came to my situation many if not everyone turned a blind eye or a deaf ear and from my perspective um, as a young child and even now as an adult it seemed that no one believed me or no one wanted to believe me because of who my perpetrator was to them Therefore it was kept silenced and to this very day many still do not know. Many do not want to know or even believe it. And to be honest, like it is what it is, you know. He passed away about four years ago, um, and yet his actions live on and, and the memory stained in my physiology. I remember when he passed away I was on tour, um where was i maybe maybe i was in dunedin or something oh no not dunedin might have been christchurch can't quite no 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 i can't quite i was i think i was in the south island anyway and i flew back for his funeral but i didn't fly back for him i flew back for my mum because i love my mum. like she's a pain in my ass but i love her and i knew that she would be so broken and so when i flew back she um you know, she wanted me to write a song for him um and th- actually that might have been for his unveiling i can't remember she but i i remember being there at her funeral at his funeral but i was there for her i wasn't there for anyone else and and so if you're an if you're an outsider and and you hear that all of this stuff that happened to me, and then you think about when it whenever you saw me in his presence or showing up to things that you know were about him, I think that maybe it would seem like you know hard to believe, but that was just the reality, like I had to keep showing up, I had to keep being there I had to um I didn't have to, I think I just grew some sort of thick skin or I just dissociated um his the 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 inappropriateness of him and and just you know tried to again regain control by you know turning up because I was like I was I'm I'm quite a stubborn person and I'm quite proud and I guess control for me in the in certain um, ways looked like me actually um, you know, denying or avoiding the reality of of what had been happening to me over the years by, you know looking like we're friends and things are good, you know, but in a ways, um, my experience um, has since created tensions within my fano, to the point where i cannot actually be in the same room or even have conversations with with some people especially those who don't believe it or who can't believe it and you know this this may be new to them or um yeah and you know i st- i i still don't expect people to believe me or even validate me um e ngari, i i've noticed how over the years acknowledgement and validation have actually supported my healing so I mean having been in the situation with my father I I partially understand the conflict of, of loyalty we can often be torn between loyalty and morality when it comes to the ones that we love and yeah it is unfortunate and the reality is that a perpetrator can still be a perpetrator without showing any signs you know especially when it's someone that we love when it's someone that we love, it's so much harder to believe that, that's something, that they could do something like that. But in all honesty, it, it can happen to anyone. And it can be done by anyone, with or without the signs. Um, and to me, that's probably one of the scariest things. And yet, this is my truth. You know, It is ugly, it is raw, and I'm still learning how to radically accept this whole part of my journey. But what I have learned over the years is that emotional trauma can sometimes cause long-lasting brain changes or, or as I mentioned physiology and it could potentially lead to things like addiction, depression um, and, and a whole host of other concerns that can devastate people's lives if it's left untreated and and what I'm finding quite surprising is that it can actually take a significant amount of time to get over these memories and these emotions and the feeling of just not being able to feel safe. So for me, what this, what this means is, um, as I mentioned, I have post-traumatic stress disorder, and so signs of PTSD have showed up in the forms of, for me, in the forms of reliving the events um, as if they just happened, um, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, withdrawal, uh, perfectionism, um, avoidance, dissociation, forgetfulness, attention-seeking, insomnia, drug abuse, excessive use of alcohol, self-harm, self-sabotage, um, suicidal thoughts, shame and guilt are probably one of the biggest ones, um, eating disorders, whether that's, you know, like starving myself or overeating, um, it says, you know, it's, it's 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 about the extremes, um, my p t s d has showed up in the form of sexual addictions, pornography and just general self destruction and honestly there's so much more that as as i as I list them it's it's crazy you know like that I'm sitting here telling the story and I have not yet broken down in tears um and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say that's that's the Jesus and maybe a little bit of the wine that Jesus did not make, but anyways um, yeah, so so these behaviours and coping strategies are or can be a part of the PTSD um, that develops over time for me they were there to help me cope and survive crisis or crisis-like situations so things that may have seemed dangerous um, my I guess my guard was 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 a lot um what's the word? My guards were heightened, so I mean this is a great opportunity to voice that. I really appreciate the way that the human body is actually designed, like thank you god it's it's just it's it's beautiful, it's complex, it's amazing and and we have what some professionals would call the survival brain. So, Auntie Google actually describes it like this. So she says the brain is a survival organ. So it is designed to solve problems related to surviving in an unstable environment, and to do so in nearly constant motion. Um, so to keep you alive long enough to pass your genes on, and you can make of that as you will. That um, some of you, um, excuse me, may be familiar with the fight, flight, or freeze response. I mentioned that a little bit earlier in this podcast. This is our body's natural reaction to danger. It's a type of stress response that helps us to react um, to perceived threats. Like for instance an oncoming car or a growling dog. um, The response instantly causes hormonal and physiological changes. So the survival brain along with the fight flight and freeze response are basically our body's ways of protecting us. In this situation, I'm sharing this part of my life. My brain knows that there may be consequences. So I keep sort of going in and out of, you know, flight basically and freeze. <laughs> but um, I remember when I was dating, I would often be triggered when certain parts of my body were being touched or certain words were being said um, and to this day, honestly, like i I actually prefer to keep the lights on while making love to my husband because I still get quite triggered, and at one point one point in my life, I realized something was seriously wrong because my emotions and my logic were just not matching up i I lived in some weird world where having affairs, meaningless relationships and sexual encounters, toxic relationships, it all became the norms for me. So when I got engaged to my now husband, this all of this like it stood out to me so much more because um, all of a sudden my PTSD triggers became so much harder to control. I mean not only that, but like that was one part. The other part was the fact that um you know I I had different friends and different circles and and support people who were actually you know pulling me up on this and saying, actually, you know that's it's that's probably, <laughs> probably not right. And um, you know loyalty and commitment were foreign um, concepts to me. But I remember the intensity of these triggers were just like they were just next level crippling. I, I needed to reach out for help because I wanted to be a good wife and I wanted to be a good mother someday, you know, so I was full of all this fear and this anxiety, eventually I started living with depression and my suicidal tendencies became a lot more dangerous and some days I just wouldn't show up for work or I just wouldn't go to uni because I was so consumed with all the shame and guilt that every solution was a dark solution, like I hated it because I I've never played the victim card and yet here I was like I carried that shame and I nurtured it as those around me would continue to glorify my perpetrator or live lives that um didn't make sense to me because you know I lived in this trauma and I had no idea that that's what it was at the time I mean I had other instances where um where they could be considered abuse. But this is where it started. And, and these are the incidents that haunt me most. I um, I still have nightmares, as I said. I still have flashbacks. And some of these things... They keep showing up in my life. Even louder. Especially now as a result of opening up... um, Opening up this old wound. So when I say I had other instances... Um, that were considered abuse I mean other relationships or relations that I would have you know I thought I, again it goes back to this control I thought I had control I thought I was in control I thought I was the one that was um, you know like letting things happen but in actual fact a lot of um, my experience of domestic abuse actually came from the fact that I had no real idea or concept of healthy relationships or actually healthy boundaries I had no idea what boundaries were and that was that and that comes down to probably a lot of things but the main thing was because my boundaries and my concept of boundaries had been shattered from such a young age and so my relationships with uh, men and women would just Completely, I would just be completely consumed by them, but it, but to the point of toxicity, and so where I thought it was love, it was actually in some cases abuse. Uh, Where I thought that I was in control, actually I wasn't. It was it was manipulation, and it was it was just yeah, it was ugly. Um, But I mean, it's at some point I'm sure I can put out um, another episode that speaks about. PTSD and the effects of trauma and and all that sort of stuff but for now, this is where I'm at and, and I am on a journey of recovery and healing and I know that I'm not alone I know that the Lord continues to bless me with the right people to journey with um, and to heal with and I know that he has been through this whole journey with me, whether or not I acknowledged him or knew that he was there and um, the brokenness and the vulnerability and um, the ugliness and the hurt that I have experienced, I know that there is still hope, I know that there is a a pathway to healing and I know for myself that I cannot do it without the love of God, without the love of Christ, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Wairua Tapu, because I mean (laughs) I lived half of my life doing that on my own and it really didn't do me any good so i hope that if this is something that resonates with you or maybe someone that you know you know may you may you find healthier healing and coping strategies because you are more than worth it you you are so worthy you are so valued may you also be Blessed with the right people at the right time these things should have never ever have happened to you it should have never happened to anyone so wherever you're at whether this is a new thought for you or if this is a life that you have lived um, and you're dealing with it or, or you've suppressed it um, or your your mind is protecting you from it. Wh- wherever you're at. I just pray for the grace of God. To sit with you now. As you process. This entire. Episode. Whether you did it in segments. Or in one sitting. May his healing presence. Be upon you. And all those who. May be affected. Please know that you. Are not alone. You are loved. You are worthy of love. You deserve the best and nothing less. You were created for greatness. You are strong. You are brave and you are a survivor. If this resonates with you, um, I just want to take a moment. let that sit with you. You are stronger than you think you are. You are stronger than the world thinks you are. You are more than your mistakes and you are so much more than the oppression that you have suffered. You are more than your trials, your tr- your challenges. And you are more than your triumphs and your achievements. You were created for a purpose. So now, as I make my way in um, wrapping up this episode, I just want to encourage you. If anyone shares with you that they are being groomed or abused, please take the time to really hear them. Be aware of, of children's reactions to other adults' touches. Um, please Don't force a child to show affection to anyone when they aren't comfortable doing so. Kids are pretty um, intuitive. Please listen carefully to what they're saying. Let them know that they've done the right thing by telling you. So validate them. Tell them that it's not their fault. Um, Reinforce, you know, explain... What you'll do next, and ensure that they can trust you, and that that they are safe. And in saying that, st- stay safe yourself. Like, please do not confront um, any abuser or alleged abuser alone. Um, if you need to seek further assistance, report what the child has or child or person has told you as soon as you can. And ultimately, please believe them say that you'll take them seriously and, and just on that note um, if, if someone older is revealing a um, past or present um, or recent event um, or abu- of abuse, please allow them to actually take the lead sometimes, you know um, when, when you have lived with a secret with this secret shame for a long time, you can build a wall over time and sometimes the fear of saying something can linger a lot longer than we realise and you know there's often comments said like "Oh, why bring it up now you know like you must be lying like please refrain from saying that and if you hear someone saying that jab them in the throat no I'm kidding Um, please just validate that's it just validate people Um, no matter how old they are When the abuse, whether, you know, whenever the um, abuse may have happened, please just, if they have reached out to you, take the time to comfort them and know that there is a level of trust there with you. So please respect that trust and discern with them when the best time to seek professional help would be. Journey with them. And if you really can't do that, if you really can't journey with them, if you really can't sit with them, in this um, pain and this hurt and this journey, then let them know that and introduce or or direct them to someone who is willing and caring enough to do this journey with them because this stuff is not for the faint of heart. And you know what? That is okay. It is okay if you cannot stomach that. If you cannot take that, it is okay. But whatever you do, even if you do not genuinely believe them, Please give them the benefit of the doubt, and figure out what the best appropriate steps need to be, because I was less fortunate to have anything um, done the first time. You know, I I try to tell people, and and nothing was done about it, and so the abuse carried on. So please do what is best for um, for the victim, for the Hopefully for the survivor. We'll we'll call them survivors. Because I just pray you know. Even if it means. um, Redirecting them to someone else. Whatever you do. Please don't stay silent. These are real life issues. And this really. Really messes up people's lives. Um, So again. If this resonates with you. Directly. Or indirectly, please seek support. Even though it may feel like you are, even though it may feel like it, you are not alone. Reach out and know that there is hope and healing along the way. I sit here, almost sobered up now, and I can say every day I wake up and I do my best to show up. I'm on the journey of recovering and healing. It will take time. It won't be easy. Ingari, I was created for greatness. I also was born for a purpose. And my friend, so are you. So may I leave you with this. Psalm 9, uh, 9 9-10. The Lord says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Those who know his name, trust in him, for the Lord does not abandon those who search for him. Let me read that again. Psalm 9, 9-10 The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know his name, trust in him, for the Lord does not abandon those who search for him. Mm. So, ko Koroxi au, ko Roxy angata o Ko mōre ko ōranga I am a survivor. Ngā mihi ki a mō tō utautoko me te pīkari. Um, kia kaha, kia maia, kia mana wanui stay safe speak up for the voiceless look out for the hidden and the invisible and when in doubt turn to God thank you so much for tuning in to Ko O the podcast um, it's been a trip and if you made it this far ngā mehi nui um, anō and um Yeah, till next time, heartfelt, deep heartfelt love, light, and blessings. (sighs) Mati Wai Tifana. All right, kill that.